I am Risa Williams, and this is The Motivation Mindset. And today we have a special segment of the show called The Brain Boost, where I break down neuroscience nuggets for you and answer questions from listeners of the show. Joining me today as co-host is my friend and fellow therapist, Erica Curtis, who will help me answer questions as well as provide some brain-boosting tips of her own. So welcome everyone to the show. Today we have a special continuation of our spring cleaning month, and I'm here with a brain boost episode, and joining me today is my special guest and friend, Erica Curtis, and we're going to talk about spring cleaning and getting organized and learning to declutter our stuff and our time. So thanks, Erica, for joining me today. Thanks, Reese. I'm glad to be here. So I wanted to start out with a quote from Adam Grant, who is an author, and he specializes in organizational psychology. And I just posted it on Instagram. So it's fresh in my head. Adam Grant says balance rarely comes from increasing efficiency. It usually involves reducing responsibilities. The more priorities we have, the harder they are to juggle. It's better to do a few things well than be overwhelmed by many. A key to avoiding burnout is deciding what doesn't matter. So I know you're thinking about this quote and you're hearing the words burnout and you're like, what does this have to do with sprint cleaning? But I think this approach that he's talking about, about simplifying things and reducing responsibilities and reducing the overwhelm on our brains is super important when it comes to cleaning and getting organized and pretty much sums up my approach when I work with clients on organizational tools. It's the idea of keeping it simple. What can we let go of each week? What can we let go of in terms of time? You know, and what do we want to spend more time on? And I think this applies to stuff as well. What stuff can we let go of? Because stuff equals fatigue to me. The more stuff we have, the more chances of mental fatigue and decision fatigue we will face. So in one study I found when I was writing the Ultimate Time Management Toolkit, it was about decision fatigue and Researchers tested this theory by giving random mall shoppers an arithmetic test. What they found was the shoppers who had purchased the most things beforehand did worse overall on the test compared to the shoppers who hadn't purchased anything. So if you've been shopping all day, your brain might be overloaded from all the choices you've just had to make. And I think this plays out in our everyday lives. I think we tend to overbuy stuff in Western culture. And we tend to have all these decisions related to stuff every day that are just in our houses, that are accumulating in our closets. And we're not really thinking about the effect this is having on our brain. Yeah, I think that's fascinating, Risa. I, I wasn't familiar with that study, and I'm so glad to hear that. I was thinking also in terms of, although this is not what the study looked at, even just the, the visual stimulation of all that stuff, right? That, yeah. Um, you know, when you invited me to be on this episode, you know, the first question I asked myself, since we look at research together and we sort of, you know, break it down to practical everyday um, you know, applications, I thought, you know, is it actually true that if we have a tidy environment, we have a tidy mind? I think that's a common sort of, you yeah, know. Yeah, you hear that a lot growing you up, know, you know. Right, yeah, yeah, like clean environment, clean mind, organized environment. I was like, is that actually true? So I did, I looked at the research um, and I did, I found a, a study that was done recently in 2020 that said the problems with clutter uh, have been associated with stress and more life dissatisfaction. 
Yeah. And I saw other studies that were the converse, right? The the opposite, mm-hmm. which is when we declutter, we're we're happier, we feel better, we're less stressed. And uh and and so yes, folks, it is true. Well, I think most of us are visually sensitive in the way that you're describing. So we're getting all these reminders from our brain. Like, I should move that pile. I should sort that just as we're walking through a room. So one way to look at cleaning up is how is that affecting your mental energy? And then how does that affect your mood overall? We usually see the mood part. We usually can say, yes, this closet is bumming me out. But how is it taxing my brain in terms of is it becoming something that's running in the background that I'm noticing that's taking up a lot of brain space. Yeah, I've even suggested to clients before, because um, that same sort of taxing um, experience that you're describing, it then becomes a barrier to taking care of the very thing that we want to take care of, which is organizing or sorting through things and and getting yeah. Getting rid of stuff. And so we're looking at this thing that feels overwhelming and is maybe even disrupting other areas of our life, our family interactions or our social interactions, our emotional life, um, our ability to focus on work. But then we look at it and we feel overwhelmed. Oh, where do I start? Where do I start with this pile of things? What, where do I start? So sometimes I've recommended to people to just start by moving it all or as much as possible if there's, you know, boxes of things, for example, sitting in the living room. Um, you know, is there a space like a garage or someplace else or a closet where sort of at least temporarily out of sight, out of mind, sometimes then the nervous system can take like, ah, you know, kind of start to regulate and calm down in right. the environment. And then one by one, you can bring one box in, right. And sort through that or go out into that space if it's a garage or or wherever it might be. And and a lot of clients report to me that that's uh, very effective rather than looking at it every day. You walk in the front door, there it is. Yeah, Just pick it all up, throw it in a box, throw it in a bag, put it in the garage, and then little by little start chipping away at it. I like what you're saying because I've never really heard it explained that way in terms of clutter, which is the clutter is triggering your nervous system and getting you all stirred up like you might even be experiencing, you know, quicker heart rate or feeling like that stress is kicking in that cortisol and adrenaline just from looking at your stuff. That's right. I mean, it's interesting if you think about it, if you feel agitated, any sort, even a low level of agitation when you look around your apartment or your house, your home, wherever you are, um, that agitation is a little boost of energy in the nervous system saying something's not okay. Something's not okay in my environment, right? Um, we can yeah. use the word threat very broadly here. Of course, that pile of magazines isn't going to, you know, attack us. Um, but the nervous <laughs> right. responds as if it is, right? At least on a yeah. And so when we can give our nervous system more cues of um, containment, of safety, of calmness, um, then we are better equipped to address the quote unquote threat, right? When we can do it with more um, moderation or sort of without that that same level of activation. Right. And some people, the way 
they feel emotions about cleaning will either be stimulating and motivating or it will lead them to procrastinate. So it kind of depends on the person, but it also depends on the state of energy you happen to be in in that moment. Because I will also have clients say, I don't understand. Last summer, I cleaned my whole house and I felt so motivated and I used the anger and I turned it into cleaning and I can't get there right now. I can't get back to that spot. So again, we're complicated and there's different things going on. There's mental energy, physical energy, and emotional energy, and all that kind of has to align or you have to convince your brain to get on board with moving forward somehow, that it's going to lead to like a positive emotion rather than keep you in that frustrated emotional state. Absolutely. And I think that brings up an interesting point in terms of cleaning or decluttering or tidying really being an opportunity to parallel life, right? Yeah. That, you know, if if we're having a hard time feeling motivated in the area of decluttering, um, maybe we're feeling unmotivated in other areas of our life. Um, if we are thinking negative thoughts about the process of, oh, I don't, right, all those cognitions that come like, oh, this is such a chore. I don't want to have to do this, da, 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 da. Why me? You know, that, yeah. that, that is probably coming up in other parts of life as well. And so decluttering can be a fairly low risk place to be able to practice some of the emotional and cognitive strategies of life to regulate our emotions, to move our energy in a direction towards our goals. Um, you know, it's like daily training ground <laughs> or, or yeah. spring training ground. If you only do it once a year, <laughs> depending. Right. Right. And if right. you break the task down into a small enough chunk, it can give you that sense of motivation and that dopamine boost when you finish it, that maybe trickles over into other areas of your life. Like now I cleaned out the closet. What's next? What can I work on? Oh, maybe I'll start writing that book or maybe I'll start doing this. It can give you a little bit of motivation sometimes if you approach it from the right mindset. So what are some fun tools where we can get our brain more on board with doing this in small chunks? Well, I, I, you know, have an example, actually, what you're talking about in terms of that small chunk and not getting too overwhelmed um, just the other week. I was um, in one of our rooms where my kids have a lot of their toys and art supplies and things like that. And yeah. and I actually had like 10 minutes to kill, I think, and before I was having to move on to something. And I was standing next to this cupboard and it's a rather small cupboard. And I was just looking at it and I thought, you know what? I bet I could get through that cupboard in like five minutes if I just, it's something yeah. putting off for probably a year maybe. And it's just been, I can't even close the cupboard doors anymore. Right, right. There's a lot of magazines in it that the kids look at or don't look at, I mean, that they, you know, get. And then they're like, oh, I'll look at this later. And we put it in there. And I think, well, maybe they'll use it for art projects or something. And Anyways, I just opened it up and I looked and I thought, I bet I can get rid of three quarters of this right now. And I just started pulling all the stuff out and I got a big bath and threw it in the recycling and it felt so good. And it felt very contained because it was just one small cupboard with three shelves. And I knew it was mostly magazines and things, but it, I felt so satisfied, Risa. <laughs> yeah, because it was like a challenge. You just made a game for yourself. I'm going to do it. I'm feeling it. 
and I'm aligned. So I'm going to do it in the next five minutes and whatever I get done. Great. It wasn't like all this heavy pressure. Like I'm going to spend all weekend reorganizing this room. Because when we say things like that to our brain, our brain naturally wants to resist it. It's like, I don't want to give up a whole weekend, but you were saying to your brain, I'm going to give up five minutes. Yep. And that sounds better. Yeah. And it felt achievable because it was a small area. And, you know, it's interesting because I I think sometimes for myself, and I think that this could be helpful for a lot of people, you know, when I was an undergrad, I was studying cultural anthropology and took archaeology classes. And and one Mm -hmm. of the things we learned about was how archaeologists will grid out sections using string, right? Because they have to dig one section at a time. And so I use that same principle when I um dealing with a room, for example, as I think in terms of like an archaeologist dig and make it even that association for me is kind of like a fun game. Like, oh, what treasures are we? What are we going to find in this right. grid? And I take it grid by grid by grid. And I go like, okay, I'm going to start in that corner and I'm going to move across. And so it chunks it down into a smaller area. Uh, and and the metaphor for me um, makes it less daunting. It makes it kind of fun. Um, yeah. like going on a little archaeology dig. <laughs> I love that. So self-talk is really important. The words we're saying to ourselves change the way we feel about things we have to do. So again, if you're doing dishes and you naturally start to feel resistance, you don't want to do dishes, there's a million other fun things you want to do or laundry or any of these types of things. You could say something like, I'm allowing myself to just do this one thing right now. It'll feel good when I'm done and I can put this away and then I'll have mental space to do the next thing. I can give myself the time and the space to do this and not expect myself to do other things right now. That's a way of showing yourself a little compassion. It makes me realize that it's decluttering the mind while you're decluttering your environment. It's an act. Yeah practice of, you know, even if I am decluttering my environment, if the mind is becoming cluttered, we can then take that as a cue of, okay, this is an opportunity. This is opportunity to practice. And it is a practice. These things are not, don't come easy, Reese. I don't think you or I, you know, like skip down the hall and go, Ooh, it's no fold the laundry. You know, it's, are you kidding? (laughs) Like every Monday morning we have to reset ourselves again. Exactly. It is a we have to do. It's such a beneficial practice because then the carryover to the rest of life, to the rest of the day, when the mind um, does have opportunities to be decluttered, um, we are actually going back to your quote earlier in terms of, um, I believe the quote says something about it's not being about being more efficient. But the irony is, is when we do less or we declutter our minds, um, we actually can be more efficient. And at least for me, that's a that's a big carrot because I really like to get stuff done and I really like to be efficient. So when I take the time um, to quiet my mind, to declutter my environment, um, later on, I have more energy and I'm able to get the goals done that I want to get done for the day. Yeah, by being more mindful and aware and taking your time to do something and be in the moment, you actually accomplish it faster usually than the other way of trying to do 10 things at once, rushing around, trying to do all the things, but never really finishing any of them. For me personally, I have learned about myself that I like to address you know, what we can call like the low-hanging fruit, the things that are going to be fast 
and done quickly because yeah. I get such a reward boost from doing something that I go done, you know, that then I feel motivated to do something else. Whereas if I have four simple or quick things to do and I tackle the hardest one first, then I'm going to, oh, I still have these four other things to do. But if I get four things done first, then I feel motivated and I feel like, okay, I only have this last thing to do now. And maybe I can even put that off until, you know, another day or something because look how much I got done. But other right. people prefer to tackle the bigger tasks first. Yeah. Uh, depending on their mental energy. Like I have so much energy right now. I might as well do that thing I've been avoiding forever. That mm -hmm. might feel good to someone out there. Or other people might think I need to warm up by doing these two minute tasks and finishing them and then tackling the big one later or a chunk of it. Mm -hmm. You know, well, and I know in one of your books, Risa, you talk about the dessert task. I love that. Yeah, the task oh. dessert. The task. So the task dessert is like saving the fun task for last instead of doing it first. Yeah, I like and to have dessert first. <laughs> I like to save it for last. Like, oh, I'm going to shop for airline tickets, you know, for this trip. Like, that's a task I need to do. So first, I'm going to get my cleaning out of the way. And then I'm going to go look for airline tickets, even though shopping for airline tickets for one person may be completely stressful. Mm -hmm. For me, because it's for a fun trip, I'm thinking, oh, that's a reward. I'm going to have so much fun visualizing this trip. And then I'm going to get all the stuff out of the way so I can do that next. So I use rewards. Mm -hmm. That's how I motivate myself through the hard tasks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes other strategies like, you know, even just randomizing the prioritization. Um, because yeah. So with yeah. my children, what I do is I have them sort their items into categories of piles. So all the books go here, all the trash goes here, all the dirty clothes go here, all the clean goes clean clothes go here. Yes, this is what my children's floor looks like. <laughs> but that's okay. It helps their brain see what they have to do, exactly. right? When we and can see it, we can do it. That's right. Yeah. So we have piles. So when it's just a mess on the floor, it feels overwhelming. But once we have a pile of books and a pile of clean clothes and a pile of each of these things, miscellaneous, you know, we usually end up with one of those. Then I say, now just pick a pile, right? Because they're all pretty equal. Just pick a pile, yeah. any pile. And, let's and start there. Away. Yeah, that's a great idea. And I like that because I think what where a lot of people get stuck with organizing is the visual part, which is why a lot of organizational experts will tell you, okay, just put all the clothes on the bed or just mm -hmm. take everything out of your desk and put it on the floor. And like, let's look at it and make piles mm -hmm. because now we can see what we need to do. And now we can see how much stuff there is. So we know how much to eliminate. And again, it goes back to how do you simplify it down? There's so much stuff in your closet. You can't even get in there. Well, you're going to have to eliminate some you know, it's getting really honest with yourself. Like I can't make systems to make this amount of stuff work. How do I simplify it down? Right. And then that opens up, I think a whole nother topic, which is letting go. Now we can see it all. Can we let go of any of this? Can we be okay with saying, even if maybe I do need this in the future, I'll deal with it then, <laughs> you know? Which is but a I really emotional it. process for a lot of people. It goes really deep sometimes, the it letting was, go. 
It Um, looks like on the outside, sometimes practicality, like I'm keeping this because I'm practical. I'm keeping this, you know, because somebody gave it to me. But when you go underneath the layers, there's a lot of emotional stuff usually going on there with, I feel guilty about getting rid of stuff. I don't know when I'm going to need this again. It's anxiety. It's uncertainty. It's guilt. But on the other end, when they get rid of a whole bunch of stuff, they'll say, I feel great. I feel like I let go of a huge weight of stuff, like all the stuff I was a custodian for. I don't need to be responsible for it anymore. And it feels like a good feeling. So I think it's, again, reminding yourself that change can lead to a positive outcome. We often are hit by change and our brain will panic and say, that's going to be a negative outcome. I'm going to lose all this stuff and it's going to be negative. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can lead to a positive outcome, a better feeling. And that's what we need to remind our brain more of. I think it's a good point that usually that that anxious energy or the you know the resistance of letting go comes from some sort of an anxious idea, um, which is more of an anticipation that something bad will happen, yeah, rather than the reality that something bad is going to happen. And like you're saying, Risa, the reality usually is that people ultimately sort of take a deep breath and go, yeah. Oh, okay. Or they don't think about it again. I I honestly don't think I've ever, and I hardly ever say ever, never, and always. So I'm trying to check right now, but I don't (laughs) have somebody, a client of mine say, I wish I wouldn't have gotten rid of, you know, such and such, such and such. Like I've never heard that. No. Yeah. Usually people just say, if I needed something, I just went out and replaced it with like a newer, better version of that anyway. Exactly. You know, because I was holding on to something from 10 years ago that didn't work that well. So it's really getting honest about that with yourself. Like, will this actually be of use to me? And right now it's taking a mental space and physical space. Does it need to do that or can I let it go? Um, And so I think that when we do those sort of fact checking, um, that use those fact checking strategies to say, really, am I going to need this? And then we notice, wait, there's a disconnect between the logic and then the emotional need to hold on to it. Um, And so some other strategies people can do is write a letter to the object. um, Yeah dialogue with the object through a, a, a journaling form, um, transform the object, you know, take the object and think, you know, how can I turn this into like a sculpture or an art project in some way? Can I wrap it? Can I contain it? And sometimes through that process, which I've done with clients before, where they'll bring in an object and transform it with art materials. Then once they've done that, then they realize They've moved that emotion into a different space and now they really yeah. don't need the object anymore. Yeah, now they can let it go because they've now processed they it somehow. Go, right? Yeah, because they Maybe it's sometimes like a let it, letting yourself actually connect with that object, like mm-hmm. actually being there with it, connecting mm-hmm. with it. And maybe what you're saying is in that moment, they've played around with it. They felt the energy. They've actually been present with the thing. Yes. We're we're so often not present with our own stuff. We're just cramming it in yeah. spaces here and there, buying it. It's coming in the mail. We're unwrapping it. And we're not emotionally connecting with the stuff. So I think sometimes when I speak to people who lean more into minimalism, that's sort of the key component. It's not really about living the stark life mm-hmm. where you're not appreciating stuff. It's actually appreciating your stuff more, having fewer things so that when you're holding that object or wearing that sweater or looking at that vase, 
you're really there connecting with that thing, as opposed to having so much stuff, it's impossible for our brains to emotionally connect with all of it. So maybe that's what it comes down to when you're purchasing something new. Am I going to have space to connect with this thing? But I'm wondering now if there's actually something somewhat sort of therapeutic or helpful in that process of trying on that outfit one more time before you throw it in the donation bag. I think so, because you're feeling that that emotion that that textbook gave you or that shirt gave you or whatever. You're trying to maybe go to an emotional portal back to something. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's worth it to just embrace that and go there. And then like Erica said, sometimes people come out the other side and they're like, okay, I felt it. I don't need the thing anymore. Because it was really... It was really always about the feeling more than the thing. So one strategy that might be effective for those of you listening is to have, I call it a stuff limbo box where you just have a box and anything questionable like that, you're having trouble letting go, you don't know what to do, just put it in the box. Some things will be easy to get rid of. They don't fit. They're not serving a use. You don't have an emotional connection to them. Just get rid of those right away. And the stuff that is in question Put it in a holding box for a little while, even with your kids. Say, okay, you can keep some toys you don't want to let go of. We're going to put them in this special box for a little while. And in a month's time, we're going to look at it and think, is there anything in that box I can get rid of now? Mm -hmm. And what I find with kids is after a brief holding period, usually they work it out. They work out like the majority of that stuff can go now. They've forgotten about it. They've processed it. It's not as important and you're not taking it away from them unwillingly, you know, or sneaking it. <laughs> yeah. Which they will not respond well to a lot of right. the time. Because They'll suddenly remember the thing. That's right. Where, hey, where a good one. such and such, right? It's like, yeah, oh. that I never wore. That I never wore. <laughs> threw it out months ago. Yeah. Right? What happened to that? I wonder. Allow yeah. Kids to, to participate in it. It really is a, a good skill for them to learn, which will serve them later. And life, even yeah. though it might be more convenient at the time just to get rid of stuff while they're at school, it's, yeah. it's teaching them a very helpful, not just organizational skill, but it's an emotional skill as well. Right? So thanks so much, Erica. I think all this advice is so helpful. And we talked about a lot of stuff related to stuff, which will hopefully <laughs> inspire people to look at their stuff in a different way. Absolutely. It's always so fun to talk with you, Risa. And I am feeling motivated to <laughs> The more stuff this week. So go clean out those closets. <laughs> and thanks for joining me today. Thanks so Take much. Care. Take care. Bye-bye. If you're enjoying tools discussed on this show, please visit the Ultimate Toolkit books and be sure to pick up a copy of my latest book, The Ultimate Self-Esteem Toolkit. And please check out Erica's book, Art Therapy Activities for Kids. And now for the winner of our double podcast giveaway, this person will receive a copy of the Ultimate Self-Esteem Toolkit, as well as a 45-minute decluttering session with Deanna Gates. Congratulations to Dulcie Yamanaka of Los Angeles. You are the winner. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at Risa Williams Therapy for our next giveaway. I'm Risa Williams, and we're out of time. Thanks for listening.